Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 24th of May, and I'm Govindraj Ethiraj with the Core Report, coming to you from Mumbai, India's financial capital and the most rocking city in the world. Here are our two quick reports, theme of the day, and our hmm section lined up for you today. First, Moody says India's GDP has crossed $3.5 trillion in 2022, and there's a but. Second, electric two-wheelers will cost more now as the government slashes subsidies, but the developments leading up to this were avoidable. Third, the daily 2,000 rupee note not in circulation update. And fourth, Adani's lone ranger investor and supporter hikes his bets. This is a core report with Govindraj Ethiraj. The top story. India's GDP has crossed $3.5 trillion in 2022 and will be the fastest growing G20 economy over the next few years, rating agency Moody's has said today. Now, that's pretty much where the good news ends. The rating agency points out, like many other agencies who do country reports on India, that bureaucracies could slow approval processes and obtaining licenses and setting up businesses, prolonging project gestation. India's higher bureaucracy in decision-making will reduce its attractiveness as a destination for foreign direct investment or FDI, especially when competing with other developing economies in the region, such as Indonesia and Vietnam, Moody's said. Now, let's pause there for a moment. The countries we are positioned against as per Moody's are Indonesia, which has a population of 281 million and a GDP of $1.1 trillion, and Vietnam, which has a population of 99 million, and a GDP of $366 billion. Thus, both countries have much higher per capita GDP and obviously a much smaller population compared to ours. Moody said that ongoing efforts by India's government to reduce corruption, formalize economic activity and bolster tax collection and administration are encouraging, although there are increasing risks to the efficacy of these efforts. Moody's also pointed out that while demand across the manufacturing and infrastructure sectors will grow between 3 and 12% annually for the rest of the decade, India's capacity will still rank well behind China's by 2030. It said that despite the economy's strong potential, there is a risk that the pace of investment in India's manufacturing and infrastructure sectors could slow because of limited economic liberalization or slower policy implementation. On the bright side, and we have to close With some bright news, it said a large, young and educated workforce, increasing nuclear families and urbanization will fuel demand for housing, cement and new cars. Government infrastructure spending will bolster steel and cement, while India's net zero commitment will drive investment in renewable energy, said Moody's. Our next report, the 2000 rupee note saga continues and there's more news on the 2000 rupee note that according to the Reserve Bank does not see much circulation. The poor note has evidently circulated more in the last three days than perhaps its lifetime. Be that as it may, many reports, including from Reuters, say that from mango sellers in South Mumbai to expensive watch shops, including one in Central Mumbai, rupees 2000 notes are now flying thick and fast. A temple in Himachal Pradesh incidentally found 400 such notes worth 8 lakh rupees in its donation box, the Mint reported. Well, if a small temple could pull so much so fast, I can only imagine what the bigger temples will draw. And hopefully, the devotees will get better service and water and shade, also promised in bank branches, by the way, in hot summers. Gold continues to be a favourite and will remain so for some time. Petrol and fuel are not very far away either. Petrol pumps are saying people are turning up with the big notes. 
Now, the problem for many is not the currency in itself, at least right now. Like any marketplace, there are people who are buying long and selling short. It is just that people do not have the change to return, particularly shopkeepers. So if you are stepping out to buy mangoes with a 2000 rupee note, make sure it's a dozen at least. The two-wheeler electric theme continued. It was a party that was almost destined to end badly. Huge Indian government subsidies given to the electric vehicle industry have been cut back with effect from June 1st, thanks to which prices of popular models of electric two-wheeler brands like Aether and Ola are set to go up and quite sharply. The government's heavy industry ministry has notified two kinds of changes. One, that the demand incentive, as it's called, has been reduced from 15,000 rupees per kilowatt hour to 10,000 rupees per kilowatt hour. Kilowatt hour denotes a unit of energy when referring to battery capacity. More importantly, the government has said that the cap on incentives for electric two-wheelers would come down from 40% to just 15% of the ex-factory price of these two-wheelers. Which means that a scooter that costed about 100,000 rupees earlier could cost about 140,000 rupees now. It is very likely that manufacturers would absorb some of the hit and the difference may be less, but it could be significant nevertheless. The electric two-wheeler companies are putting on a brave face, saying that this was bound to happen and they had to get ready for a subsidy-free world. Actually, it was not bound to happen like this. The government appears to have reacted to violations of localization norms. For example, if I as the government am giving you a subsidy to make in India, but you go and import components from China, like cheaper batteries, then we have a problem. As I mentioned in the core report earlier, both Ola Electric and TVS Scooters at the beginning of the month said that they would refund some monies to their customers. Ola said it would cover the cost of chargers for its electric scooter customers. Aether Energy, another electric maker, said the same thing. Now, subsidies are given to electric vehicles around the world because they are a way to incentivize the fight against fossil fuels and reduce global warming. For example, buyers of electric cars in the United States qualify for a tax credit of $7,500 as long as the final assembly of that car is in North America and some other conditions on battery production as well. On a vehicle price of forty dollars to $50,000, this is fairly substantial. Subsidies given for these two-wheelers in India under the FAME program, which stands for Faster Adoption and Manufacturing of Electric and Hybrid Vehicle 2, would have run out soon, according to reports. The end date was March 2024 for the scheme and it does look like it's being pulled back earlier. A total of 10,000 crore rupees for all electric vehicles including charging infrastructure was put aside. Now I feel the subsidy could have continued if the industry had behaved itself and focused on building locally as it was supposed to or at least tried hard. The fact that many manufacturers did not seem to have put in sufficient effort is unfortunate given that many of them are new generation entrepreneurially driven firms. Higher prices may not be viable for customers and lower prices may not be viable for the manufacturers unless, of course, they become more viable and faster by building scale and working on the cost of technology, notably batteries. So maybe the final outcome might still be good and you could still afford to buy that electric two-wheeler. Hmm... US-based investor Rajiv Jain's GQG Partners LLC has raised its stake in billionaire Gautam Adani's conglomerate by about 10% and has said in five years they would like to be one of the largest investors in the Adani group, depending on the valuation after the family. 
We would certainly want to be partners in any Adani Group's new offerings, Rajiv Jain told Bloomberg News. According to him, the value of GQG's Adani Holdings was close to $3.5 billion, though he did not specify which companies he bought into or what part of that investment value came from direct purchases and rallies in Adani shares. In March, Jain had said they had acquired almost $2 billion worth of shares in four of Adani's firms from a family trust. Now, Jain is clearly a contrarian. And some would agree with his observations on the fundamental nature of Adani's companies, being in the businesses they are and backed by solid assets, whether in ports, airports or cement plants. His statement that he would like to be the largest investor in the group after the family is a little strange though. It acknowledges that the family has a vice-like grip on the floating stock or the number of shares available, seen widely as a problem in more ways than one. Second, that by locking himself into such a position and by saying he would like to be a partner, he is committing himself more like a strategic investor rather than a financial investor. GQG says it has $88 billion under management, which makes it large. However, it is not clear which of the many funds it has is investing in Adani stocks and what those funds are promising or committing to their investors. Jain is listed as the founder of GQG, but the investors in his many funds, I'm sure would like to know more of his specific strategy on how he is investing their monies. For now, Jain's bets, given the way the stock prices of Adani companies have zoomed in recent days, have clearly paid off. This was the core report with me, Govindraj Ethiraj. Do stay connected with more of our coverage at The Core. You can check out our website or sign up to our newsletter at www.thecore.in. That is www.thecore.in. Or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook as well. Now, we would love your feedback on how we can make business more interesting and relevant to you, including our reporting on India's vibrant manufacturing sector. Write to us at feedback at the core dot in. Thank you for listening. Listening.